You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 15, verse 18 is where we will start. And uh, we're actually going to go through to verse 27 this morning. We are in the last hours of Jesus' life before he is to be arrested, ultimately crucified. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege to sit with someone that you love in the last hours of their life. If you've ever been able to have that privilege, it doesn't sound like a privilege, it sounds incredibly painful, but telling you if it has ever happened, you know what I'm talking about. There's a sweetness about being with someone that you love in the last hours of their life. That has ever happened to you, you know exactly the last words that that person you love said. They are etched in your brain forever because it was some of the last words that they said. That is the weight, that is the... um, the spirit of the text this morning that I really want you to get, that we are just in the last hours of Jesus' life. He has told his 11 disciples now, Judas has already uh, left and is going to be coming back pretty soon with uh, Roman guards to arrest Jesus. Jesus is here with the 11 disciples and he is pouring into them his last words to prepare them for life without him on this earth. This period, this in-between period of Jesus' ascension in his second coming, he is preparing them on how to live in this season of life that we are actually living in today. And I've entitled this series of sermons called Authentic Disciples. How are we to be genuine, true, authentic disciples during this season of Jesus' ascension and his second coming? How is it that we can live in such a way that would bring honor and glory to God in everything that we do? And what is expected of us? What can we expect as authentic disciples? Up to this point in Jesus' message, the disciples have heard about Jesus' love for them, They have heard Jesus' command for them to love others the way Jesus has loved them. They have seen Jesus do something miraculous, something incredible by humbling himself and washing their feet. And then he says to them, I want you to go and do likewise. Be humble. Serve others. They have heard Jesus make incredible promises to them that that they can stand on the foundation of their faith that Jesus Christ is going away, but he is coming back, and he comforts them with those words. Do you remember in John chapter 14, he says, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He is comforting them. He is instructing them in these last hours of his life. Jesus reassures them with these words. But the disciples will still have to face a hostile world. 
And Jesus knows that. And in our text this morning, Jesus changes the conversation to be a little bit harder, to be actually a lot harder than what he had been telling them before, much harder to hear. And in no way do I believe that the text that I am going to read this morning will be easy for any of us to hear. It is this text that separates authentic disciples from people who are cultural Christians, if you will. It is this type of language that Jesus spoke that when, when crowds, when literally thousands of people began, began to follow him, Jesus would say something as radical as he is going to say this, this morning in our text, and, and, and the crowds went from thousands down to a handful. Jesus is saying in our text this morning that a rebellious world will reject not only his message, but will also reject his messenger. And so this morning, I've entitled this message that authentic disciples must count the cost. Authentic disciples must count the cost. Look with me in our text, John chapter 15, verse 18. Listen to what Jesus says. If the world hates you, understand. Highlight that in your Bible this morning or circle that. Make a note of that word, understand. Or maybe some in your translations it will say no. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you. What a beautiful gift that is. Because I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word. Mark that in your Bible. Circle that. Highlight that somehow. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things. Who's he talking about? The world. And I'll explain that here in just a moment. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name. Because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else had done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this has happened. Hatred, persecution, rejection. This has happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. I want you to notice something that God is showing, that Jesus is showing us something here, that here is a group of people who have rejected him, who have persecuted him, who has hated him for everything that he has said, everything that he has done, everything that he stands for. But notice this, they are religious people. 
He says, this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. This is a group of people who who are followers of the law, who, who know the law. They have been looking for a Messiah. Problem is they've been looking for a Messiah that fit their image, not the image God had given them. What was it that their law might be fulfilled? Here it is. It's in Psalm 69, verse 4. They hated me, speaking of Jesus, for no reason. Look with me in verse 26. When the counselor comes, oh, this is, this is great news. When the counselor comes, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the advocate, our, our helper. When the counselor comes, the one I will send you, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Tough words. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Persecution against Christians specifically started in the first century at Rome, when Christianity became an illegal religion. The Roman government feared Christians were plotting to overthrow the Roman Empire. The Roman government charged, let me give you just a little bit of background, some history. The Roman government charged that Christians were hurting Rome economically by believing in one God and one Father. They believed in one God and one Father. That meant that that all the people that sold idols no longer had a business. That meant that all the fortune tellers that could sell their uh, ability to tell the fortune no longer could sell those fortunes. So the Roman government charged that Christians were hurting Rome economically. They also charged that Christians were disrupting the social norms of the day by believing that everyone was created equal. Men, women, Jews, Gentiles, all created equally. And the Roman government didn't like that, and so they charged them uh, with a crime. Christians, the Roman government charged that Christians were disloyal to the Roman pantheon of gods by claiming their loyalty to one true God. The first official persecution of Christians by the Roman government came under the emperor Nero. We've talked about Nero a little bit. This happened in AD 64. Christians were arrested, cruelly tortured, thrown to wild animals, crucified, burned at the stake, and placed in Nero's garden to light his garden at night. That happened in AD 64. Three decades later, during the reign of Emperor Domitian, persecution continued. The Apostle John was banished from Ephesus to the island of Patmos, where he would eventually write the book of Revelation. The second century, during the reign of Emperor Trojan, any Christian who would not recant their faith would be put to death. Then in the third century, during the reign of Emperor Decius, The Roman government required everyone to offer a sacrifice to the Roman gods 
who refused, to those who refused, um, or those who refused to offer this sacrifice faced arrest, imprisonment, torture, and execution. Some say that the most violent empire-wide persecution of the church began in the fourth century under the reign of Diocletian. He ordered his military to exterminate the Christian faith, to burn every church that they could find, to burn every copy of the Bible, to completely wipe out the Christian faith. And it has been estimated that 70 million Christians have been killed for their profession of faith with two-thirds of those martyrdom happen, happening since 20th century. Another report has said this, that over 100,000 Christians are killed every single year since 1990. Persecution is real. Even though we might not see it right here in our own community, it is real, and it is happening every single day. Jesus, these last hours of his life, is telling these 11 disciples what life is going to be like. Church history tells us that all 11 of these disciples, well, 10 of them died a cruel death. John was banished to the island of Patmos to die there alone. They all died a cruel death. And so, authentic disciples, here's what Jesus is saying to to them, and I believe is what he is saying to us. Authentic disciples must count the cost. We must be willing to count the cost. Look with me in verse 18. Point number one, I want you to write this down. Point number one, authentic disciples, and this is not easy for us to hear. This doesn't fit our American culture of Christianity. As a matter of fact, we think if that if there is any type of persecution, it must mean that Jesus' return is imminent. It's not what Jesus says here. Point number one is this, authentic disciples will be hated. I wish I had, I wish we were back in John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 where it says, love one another. It's a much easier sermon to preach. It's a much easier sermon to receive. But we must understand, understand as Christians, authentic disciples, real, true, genuine Christians, we will be Hated. Look at verse, 13, verse 18. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Authentic disciples will be hated by who? By people whose values, whose beliefs, and whose morals are in rebellion to God. That's who we will be hated by. People's, people whose values, whose beliefs, and morals are in rebellion to God. In this short portion of Scripture, over 20 times, Jesus references 
this group of people, the world. And here he says, authentic disciples will be hated by the world. Who is that? I mean, that, that sounds like someone whose beliefs, whose values, whose morals are rebellious to God. That sounds like some kind of mass murderer. And it is, I suppose. But listen, that could be somebody as simply as our neighbor. It could be a coworker. It could be a, a classmate. It could be our, our, our just... It could be someone sitting in this church this morning. And if so, God bless you. Thank you are here. We welcome you to be here to hear the gospel. But please, may we not think of this person that, that, is, that hates Christians as someone who has, you know, a forked tail and horns on their head. May we not think of the worst of the worst, but may we look at somebody that might morally be an upstanding citizen in our community, but is in rebellion to God. Jesus says in our text that authentic disciples will be hated. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. The world, listen, this this person, the world that he's talking about, group of people, they're not, not necessarily even anti-religious people. The people who crucified Jesus were religious people. But they were clearly in rebellion towards God. I believe he gives us this comfort. In this word, understand. It's, he's actually commanding us here. This isn't a, a suggestion like, hey, think about this, if you will. He is commanding us to understand. He's saying, keep this in mind. As you are going through life, as you're proclaiming the truths of Christ, as your values are being shaped by God's word, and it separates you from the world, as these lines are being drawn between you and the world, understand, keep in mind, be knowledgeable that the world hated me before it hated you. Jesus knew that the hatred toward Christians was the mark of the world. Just as love is the mark of a Christian, hatred towards Christians is the mark of the world. And he's preparing us for that. Look at this. Notice this. This is another interesting thing about these, this group of people called the world that he's pointing to. He points to over and over and over in Scripture. It's not that they're incapable of love. They're capable of love. Look, look what he says in verse, in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. See, it's not that they're incapable of love. They're, they're capable of loving you on their terms. They're capable of loving you as long as you don't judge them. They're capable of loving you as long as you don't say there's one God and there's one way to heaven. They're capable of loving you if you believe what they believe, if you believe in, in, in more than one truth. They're capable of love. He says, if you were the world, the world would love you as, as its own. But however, because you are not of the world, because you don't have this value, because you don't have those beliefs, because you don't have those morals, however, because I have chosen you out of the world. Praise God for that. But know this, that as 
Jesus Christ has chosen us out of this world, left us here. And in John chapter 17, oh, it's a beautiful prayer of Jesus. Jesus is going to be pray for us as we are in the world. As Jesus pulls us out of the world's value system, leaves us in the world, he said, the world's going to hate you. And know that going in. That during this period, between my ascension, between my return, the world will hate you. Oh, we, we can read the book of Acts, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and on and on, and we can see this truth being played out. Mark, we can see this truth being played out over and over and over again. But just the statistics, I started the message out with 100,000 Christians a year are being martyred because of what they believe, because of their value. This is being played out. We see the truth of this right here before our eyes. Just because we don't sit in our own circle, just because we don't sit here in our own community, oh, may we not, may we not be shocked when we are hated. May we not think that something is wrong. May we, actually, may we, think, may we think something is wrong when we are not hated by anyone in the world. Second point I want you to see is in verse 20. Authentic disciples not only will be hated, but authentic disciples will be persecuted. Authentic disciples will be persecuted. That's the second point. By who? By people whose beliefs, whose values, whose morals are rebellious to God. Look at verse 20. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his, than his master. If they persecuted me, who's they? The world. People whose beliefs, values, morals are in, are in rebellion to God. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. In this state, Jesus, there's an implication that Jesus is making that the, that the disciples, these these, these 11, and, and, and eventually Paul, and as they, as they spread the church, as the church explodes there in the first century, the implication is that not only, not only will these 11 continue the message that I have been preaching and, and the things that I have been doing, but the church will continue as well. And as you do, as you proclaim the truths of Christ, as you live the way Christ has called us to live, as we say no to the things of the world, Jesus is saying to us, you will be persecuted. May we not be shocked when persecution comes. If they persecuted Jesus Christ, we will be persecuted as well. Oh, but again, I believe Jesus in this very hard truth, just like in that, 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 that we will be hated. He gives us this discomfort about understanding. He does the same thing here. Authentic disciples will be persecuted. Listen to what he says. Oh, see the, see the weight of what he says. Remember the word. Remember my word. May we be strengthened by the very words of Christ. May we be strengthened by the word 
of God that he has given us. I am so thankful when I open up God's word, I'm so thankful that God has given us a letter and instruction on how we are to live, a letter and instruction that reveals who he is, a letter and instruction that reveals how much that he loves us. And Jesus is saying here, as you are being persecuted, remember my word. When Stephen was being stoned and put to death, Stephen prays the same prayer that Jesus prays as he's being crucified. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As Stephen was being persecuted, he is remembering Jesus' own words, and he proclaims them. Oh, may we remember the word of Christ. Be encouraged in that. Third point I want you to see, Jesus points out here, not only will authentic disciples be hated, not only will authentic disciples be persecuted, number three, authentic disciples will be rejected. Authentic disciples will be rejected. May we not be so upset, hurts when we see our kids hurt, but may we not be so upset when our kids don't fit the cultural mold. May we as adults not be so upset when we don't fit the cultural mode, mold. May, may we be separate from the world. May there be an identifiable, identifiable difference from the world and, and Christians. There must be. There, 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 there has to be. Our values must be different. Our beliefs must be different. And Jesus is saying, when they are, you will be rejected. Look at verse 21. But they will do all these things, hate you, persecute you. They will do all these things to you, watch this, on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. May we rejoice. I know this sounds silly what I'm about to say, but may we rejoice when the world rejects us because of the name of Jesus Christ. May there be a comforting, just a breath of fresh air fill our lungs when a lost world rejects us because of our values. Oh, may that give us air in our lungs. When a lost world rejects us because of our beliefs, because of the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm not, ma- ma- listen, I am not saying that we shouldn't hurt for them. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have compassion for them. Jesus Christ, exact, he's, he's actually going to push us back into the world. After he says this, we'll see that here in just a moment. It's not that, we're gonna, that we should be in this little bubble away from the world. We can't impact the world if we do that. But may there be something inside of us that rejoices when a lost world who has values that are ever-changing rejects us. Because of Jesus Christ. May all of our value, may none of our value, be placed in what a lost world thinks of. May our identity be in Jesus Christ, what, not what circle of friends I run in, 
May our identity be in Jesus Christ, not, not on what sports ability I have or, or that I, I don't have. My, I, my our identity not being who we are married to or dating or who we're not married to. Or may our identity be in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. We've so many times Christians are just thrown back and forth because our identity is getting thrown back and forth by what we can or what we can't do or who we're with or who we're not with. Here Jesus is saying to us, they will do all these things to you on account of me. May we know this as we share the gospel, as we live our life in our morals and our values and our beliefs. May we know this, that they are not rejecting you for you. They are rejecting you because of Christ inside of you. And I'll welcome rejection for that any day of the week. May we begin to see it that way. Oh, there's so much to say. Authentic disciples will be rejected. Oh, but take heart, brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verse 26. A comforter has come. It's, it's spoken here, written in past tense, but may we know that the comforter has come. Look at what he says, verse 26. When the counselor comes. And God willing, I'm going to be preaching on this next week, more about the Holy Spirit, the Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. But look at what he says, when the counselor comes. And listen, he came at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ, you received the Holy Spirit, not in part, but in full. So look at what he says, when the counselor comes, and brothers and sisters in Christ, he has come into your life. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he has come. But look at what he says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father. Notice the attributes. The Holy Spirit has been sent by God the Father. He is the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is. One who proceeds from the Father. He comes from the very presence of God himself. He will testify about me. The Holy Spirit proceeds from God the Father to be a witness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us by Jesus. Get this, to be our counselor, to be our comforter. Think of what, look at what Jesus is saying. Listen, the world is going to hate you, but know that it hated me before it hated you. The world is going to persecute you, but know that it persecuted me before it persecuted you. The world is going to reject you. This group of people whose beliefs, whose values, and morals are in rebellion to God. They are going to reject you because of my name. But listen, the counselor is coming. Your comforter, your counselor, your advocate, your helper. This is the mission of the Holy Spirit. To proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And it shouldn't only be the mission of the Holy Spirit, but it should be ours being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Which is exactly what we see in verse 12. Verse 27, I'm sorry. Look at verse 27 real quick, then I'm going to close. Look at what he says. You also. Verse 26, he says the Holy Spirit's going to come and he will testify about me. But notice what he says. You also. Now watch what he's done to the 11 disciples. He has brought them Aside, they have been at the last meal. They are somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus is arrested. They're somewhere in that place. 
Jesus has separated them from the world. He has given them all of this instruction, and he has given them the hardest instruction as of yet, that you will be hated, you will be persecuted, you will be rejected, and now watch what he's about to do. He's about to send them right back out into the world. But he's not sending them alone. Listen, God does not send us into the world. God has not left us in this world alone. He has given us an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, and he is the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says. You also, he's pushing them back out, will testify because you have been with me from the very beginning. You also, authentic disciples, count the cost. Know that you will be persecuted. Know that you will be hated by the godless. Know you'll be rejected by the same type of people who rejected Jesus Christ. Remember the word. Be comforted by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen, may we not, may our hearts not be broken when there is a notifiable, notice, notifiable difference between us and the world. That's what Jesus is saying here. Oh, if I could, if I could take, John chapter 13, 14, and 15, may we, may we see the value, especially after reading this portion of text, may we see the value of staying connected to the vine more than ever before. Because listen, as the world presses in on us, as we're pressing out on the world, we need to know we have to stay connected to the vine. May we value that more than we ever have before. May we, may we be comforted by the truth that Jesus calls us his friend and that he reveals everything to us and that we have that knowledge. We have Jesus Christ revealing everything to us, God's plan for us, everything that we need to know. May that comfort us as we live in the world. May we be empowered by knowing that Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to, and to guide us and to help us. And oh, may we also count the cost and join the Holy Spirit in testifying about Jesus Christ. I've been the pastor here for about a little over seven years. And I, I'm going to confess to you for just a moment. I have done a horrible job of teaching you how to share the gospel, showing you how to share the gospel. But as I was studying this this past week, I was so convicted that Jesus has sent us out into the world to testify about him every single day. And that's not easy, is it? Not only do I confess that I've done a poor, poor job, but I am confessing to you that I will also do better in the coming days. To lead us as a church to see the world around us. That without the gospel, they will spend eternity in hell. Good people, morally good people, religious people even. But yet without the truth of the gospel, Without accepting Jesus Christ and, and as Lord and Savior, they will split the gates of hell wide open. 
And we must be willing to testify. We must be willing to go outside of our comfort zone and tell others about Jesus Christ, knowing that we will be hated, knowing that we will be persecuted, knowing that we will be rejected. But I am reminded, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 19, Jesus is giving us the Great Commission. And then he closes the Great Commission, verse 20, with powerful, powerful words. Here's what he says. And I am with you always. As you go, as you make disciples, as you teach, as you train, as you witness, I am with you always. We're not alone. We're not alone. And so I, I pray. I pray that this message, this series of message of authentic disciples, I pray that it has been challenging us, challenging to us, it has been encouraging to us, but I pray that it has been convicting to us. It has been to me. And I pray that we would see what God is calling us to. We are living in a special time to share the gospel. Because a time is coming where we won't have that opportunity. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.